Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer, And I know I've left you hanging a bit for episode 3 on my in my Virtual 11 series with Andrew DeBroy. But uh, here it is, anyway. But it's a bit smaller in size than the previous ones. I decided that it was a bit easier for me to edit them in smaller chunks and for you, the listener, to listen to them in smaller chunks. I don't have Andrew with me this evening, like I did the previous time when we recapped episode 1 at the start of episode two, because we're only going to be covering a couple of songs. Um, and then this episode itself only covers one song. So I thought I'll get him in for the next one and we can cover the three songs that have uh, occurred in between our last recap and the following episode. So if you can follow that, you win a prize, um, some kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, um, I'm a bit croaky this evening. I have a bit of a cough, a lingering cough, and it won't go away. Um, but that's the way it is. Probably need some hacks, maybe. I don't know. Kiss your frogs goodbye. Wasn't that a hacks ad? I think it was. Let me know. Send your letters on a postcard. Doesn't even make any sense. Uh, yes, so... I'm going to release this episode, it's just one song we're covering, it's When Two Worlds Collide, but don't let that make you feel that this is skippable, certainly not, by no means whatsoever, this is one of the best episodes we've done so far, even though it only covers one song, I feel it's coherent, articulate, and we raise interesting points, there's banter, and there's also some really in-depth lyrical analysis, so I suppose what you've come to expect from the last couple of episodes, and our Sinjutsu series as well, back in September... But what it will also do is it'll free me up to edit some other episodes, which I'm going to release in between. I know it's kind of messy, but I did the same with Arc Sabbath, if you'll remember, because I, I, I've recorded stuff in between. I'm recording stuff all the time with people. And as this takes some time to edit and, you know, life gets in the way, that audio becomes a bit dated. And I'm like, shit, I interviewed this person from this band and they made all these references, which were timely at the time, and now are kind of a bit dated. For example, I have one in the can with Jarvis Leatherby. You may have seen me posting a photo of him uh, up on Twitter this evening. And when I say this evening, I'm talking about the 31st of May, 2022. Uh, so Jarvis holding my feckin' metal cup. So he did an interview with me a few weeks back, and he's talking about his festival in Derry, which is in a few days' time as I record this. So I really need to get that one out. I also did an interview with Stephen Waddle from Oath SC. And again, that was probably... Jesus, a couple of months ago now, and again he's talking about an upcoming album. And I did an interview longer ago than that with Jeff Crossdale from the band Strangers With Guns, an Irish rock band. Um, and I want to get those out as well, but those will be easy edits. Those won't be difficult, um, intense kind of two and a half hours of audio type of stuff. So releasing this, this bite-sized chunk, just one song, frees me up to edit some other episodes, which I will release in between. But don't fret, I will return to Virtual 11 with Andrew DeBroy. And the next time you hear me talking about Virtual 11, he'll be here with me. We'll be recapping the feedback that we got for the last three songs. Um, but without any further ado or any nonsense or claptrap, I'm going to leave you with our analysis of the song When Two Worlds Collide. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed discussing it. Here it is. All right, so let's move on. The next song is When Two Worlds Collide. Hardly a classic, but maybe it's been you know, misrepresented as, uh, why am I talking so much shit? I'm cutting this as well. <laughs> All right. This is my last, my last. My last. You, should, you should keep that part. For sure. I'm digging holes. I'm digging holes for no reason. <laughs> All right. I'm like Charles Bronson in fucking The Great Escape, digging tunnels. 
Dig up, stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's that from, actually? <laughs> Simpsons. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Chief Wiggum. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's move ahead on Virtual 11. This is When Two Worlds Collide. So let's have a listen to the start of this song and see what we think. Okay, again, we have this kind of soft, slow intro. You're not quite sure where the song might be going next. I've said it sounds tentative, but optimistic. What say you, Andrew? Murray, Murray-esque. Murray-esque, yeah. We have Blaze coming in here. Again, I think Blaze sounds really good here, actually. I think this kind of um, yeah. style suits him. I love this song, actually. Is the telescope looking into the future at Bruce's return? <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I laugh, but I really think this. Yeah. Let's just let it keep going. I love yeah. this bit where it kicks in here. Declination. Yep. That's a new word. When two worlds collide. Okay, so I had that broken down into different sections there in my my notes, but I said, "Fuck it, let's just play." So, I think it's a really nice riff. Um, the telescope <laughs> looking into the future. A little speck of light seems twice the size tonight. Can it be growing all the time? I've written here at the likelihood of Bruce coming back. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> As we move on, uh, then I love the drumming actually um, into the kind of riff and verse where it's, I can't believe it's true. It's, it's maybe the most exciting drumming piece we've had so far in the album. It's like really heavy kind of ding, 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 ding. Um, but uh, yes, it's, it, it, he's saying, he's singing here, uh, plays Bailey, I can't believe it's true, but I think in my on my own head, it's like, but you know deep down what it is, Blaze, you know yeah. what's happening. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also wrote down the word declination. It just The declination, that's just <laughs> such an iconic word in this song. I actually love yeah, the yeah. delivery of that line. For the hundredth time, I checked the declination. That is just so fucking. That could only be Iron Maiden with Blaze uh, Bailey. That line it couldn't exist yeah. in any other universe. Because Blaze definitely has like in his own solo stuff. He has a lot of themes of like space and time travel and all that kind of stuff. And, Very like, technical. The, defi- yeah. the definition of declination is like. The angular distance of a point north or south of the celestial equator. Well, as, as we well know, as <laughs> but, we all know. <laughs> but in in Blaze's perspective, in this song, it's probably like he he keeps checking his own his own status. I guess you know it's like and his his fear starts to grow. Yeah. I think he's narrowing in on a situation, kind of, and it's like he's checking it. He's like, for the hundredth time, he's constantly reviewing it and seeing if it's still the same. And of course, it is each time uh, because we we know what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I, Blaze always includes technical terminology in his, his lyrics. And in fact, on the album Silicon Messiah, which was out in the year two thousand, he talks about terabytes of memory. Now, a terabyte has become commonplace in the year twenty twenty two. But no one was that talking was about huge it. back then, though. Right? Yes, 
like yeah. no one was like it's like a petabyte would be now or whatever the next thing is up from a petabyte probably yeah. i don't know but like no one was talking about terabytes in the year 2000 so fair play to blaze for being ahead of the game there with declinations and terabytes um <laughs> i listened to the talking maiden episode earlier today and josh was saying that the declination was like the cheesiest and it kind of ruined the song for him similar to like with uh Sun, sun and steel <laughs> with the dinosaurs roaming the earth <laughs> in a time when declinations walk the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. But I, I actually like the, the inclusion of the word declination. I, lo- I fucking love that. Yeah. I, I would have thought Josh would be more annoyed with the line, <laughs> even my computer shows. Yeah. <laughs> There are no errors in the calculation. But you know what's funny? No, no one says my computer now at all. Like you don't use the word compu- computer. Uh, like you just don't use it. There's a, there's a, there's a. You know, I'm sure you have the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Canada. Yeah, yeah. A Canadian yeah. version of it probably have for like 20 years or so. But like the English version, which was the first version, used to be pre- presented by this guy called Chris Tarrant, and uh, he was famous from TV for other things. But when they did the 50-50, where you cut away two of the incorrect answers and leave. Yeah. Whatever. He'd look up into the sky or into the ceiling. He'd go, computer, take away two of the wrong answers. <laughs> one right answer and one incorrect answer. And there's a comedian, Peter Kay, who used to do a bit based on this. And it was like, he's just looking up and going, computer, computer. And it's like, no one says computer anymore. Or certainly like that. Um, they'd say things like, I was online. I was using data analytics i was on my laptop uh, i googled it but they won't they wouldn't say even my computer says <laughs> <laughs> yeah like if you're gonna go do your job like yeah i'm gonna go and open my laptop you're not gonna be like yeah my computer yeah i'm gonna use computer's my, what not do- working anymore <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing earlier i was using my computer Actually, well, we were sorry. we were having we were having computer issues earlier, <laughs> <laughs> but um, now I love declination. I think it's great, uh, and I'm glad I'm glad he used that word. Yeah, it's uh, well, and it's another opportunity for learning of uh, in many of these episodes that I've had to look up words mm. because we're doing deep dives. This is it, you know. You know, this is you know, declination. I never would have ever heard that word it's probably like an astronomical or like an angular distance of the celestial equator i'm, I'm sure astrophysicists know this word very well I'm sure but they us do. as as general computer users <laughs> um many astrophysicists actually listen to feckin metal so uh my computer gives me the data oh, that's you see. good yeah <laughs> Shout out to the, those astrophysicists. Shout out to the astrophysicist sub-community of fucking metal <laughs> listeners. You know who you are. <laughs> um, you know. But uh, I, I find there's some interesting lyrics here. So now the fear starts to grow. Even my computer shows there are no errors in the calculation. So the declination is right. It's right. Uh, yep. Now it's happened. Take no other view. Collision course. You must believe it's true. Now there's nothing left that we can do. Collision course, again, is Blaze on a collision course with Bruce? Is Blaze on a collision course with his fate, whether or not Bruce is involved? Is there fate? Like Steve Harris was trying to blame it on God earlier on. It's like, God only knows. 
Has his fate been determined or is it because of what he's done or what he's not been able to do that has determined his future, determined the course that he's set to collide on? I think there's a lot here if you create reasons to get interested in it. Yeah, like there's obviously that Blaze leaving sort of theme. But like if you're, let's say we're in 1998 and we don't know, we don't know that Bruce is going to be coming back. How would you interpret this song then if you don't know that blaze is eventually going to be leaving that's a very good question what do you think it's about to be perfectly honest in 1998 if i were listening to this i probably would not even bother reading into it um it's only because of the historical context that i bother trying to find meaning in these words Uh, as you said before they're quite simple other than the word declination um the, the lyrics are quite simple in many cases and I'd say at the time, people didn't spare them a passing thought. They were just like, ugh, Blaze Bailey, another Iron Maiden album. It's 1998. No one cares about them anymore. But it's it's the historical context of the time and the, obviously with what happened shortly after this album was released that makes me go back and revisit these. But I'd say at the time, I would have disregarded them entirely. I probably would have liked the music, but I would not have given a second thought to the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess like, say, so. Mo- most listeners, I'd say, are the same. <clears throat> Yeah, like at face value of like what these lyrics are trying to say is that I guess like there's some some sort of celestial object that's about to collide with the world and, and like I, I don't know some an asteroid or a comet or something that you know we've seen many movies about that like i don't know armageddon or deep impact those type of movies and you know like you know the world's gonna end i think there was a recent one from netflix as well don't look up oh yeah that was great that was yeah that was that was actually pretty entertaining but uh yeah i think that's like a common sci-fi sort of theme it's a trope nearly Uh, yeah so uh, but but when you take it in the context of blaze versus you know iron maiden and what's gonna happen it's it's just it's hard it's hard to even focus on any other interpretation other than that one here's my take on writing lyrics right and people can mock this and we ourselves have laughed at the notion that this is about bruce leaving or sorry blaze leaving and bruce coming in but i i genuinely do think honestly after studying these lyrics that there's something to that and i'll tell you why because I think lyric writing is like dreaming while you're awake. So have you ever had a dream and you've woken up and you are impressed and almost shocked by how vivid your imagination is and how good of a storyteller you are and how creative your brain can be when you're not even trying, when you're supposed to be resting. And you're like, that was a fucking unbelievable dream. And it was so weird and it was all over the place. And there were so many people in it. And it was so like, I was so imaginative to come up with that. Yes, but then when you when you try to re retell it or re relive it, it, it just sort of slips away. Fine, fine. because you be created it when you were unconscious. So do you yeah, ever have have you ever been killed in your dream? No, I don't think I, so. I, I was in I was in a war once. Okay, and uh, there was a tank that was coming. I remember. I just remember there was a tank, and then it like shot a a rocket towards me. And then as it exploded, I woke up. Which people always there say more, I, there was way more to it than that, but it was that's like the the core memory that I have. People say you wake up because if you didn't, your brain would think you were dead and you'd die in your sleep. Uh, 
Although that's just a madcap theory. But but let me get back to my point, right? So our brain is capable of all of this, of tanks shooting rockets at you and all this type of stuff. But when you sit down to try and write lyrics, you don't have the luxury of being asleep. You don't have the luxury of being unconscious. You actually have to think with your conscious brain. And you have all these filters that are applied that you do not apply when you're asleep because your brain is like basically shut off and it's it's not applying filters. It's doing whatever it wants. But you still have to come up with some lyrics. If you're in a band, and you don't have some kind of inspiration to write a concept album or something like that. You're just doing your job, writing songs. You've written some music, and now you need to write some lyrics, which is normally the way these things go. You have to come up with the goods, and they come from somewhere. And whether we like to admit it or not, I'd say a lot of the time they come from someplace inside of our subconscious mind that we don't connect with until we force ourselves to. And that's when you end up writing things like two worlds colliding, lightning striking twice, clansmen, and all these other metaphors for things that you're actually thinking, but you don't know how to express. You have the capability to do it, but you have to find things in the waking world, in real life, when you don't have the luxury of being unconscious and dreaming, to map them to. And I think that that's what, that's what lyrics are. They're people mapping their subconscious thoughts to real world objects in order to be able to write a song. Yeah, although I think, yeah, you absolutely nailed that very eloquently. And like, and then maybe it's, it's when, when you're trying to write the lyrics, when you're hearing this music, you're making those connections, you start writing these things that ostensibly are about lightning or worlds colliding. But realistically, you've connected to a deeper part of your brain, of your psyche, and you're really talking about what you're holding internally, but you can't externalize in normal everyday conversation or, or every, every, your everyday routine, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the, yeah. the worlds collide within your brain, I guess. And... <laughs> yeah. Right. So let's have a listen to the chorus here before we get too yeah. deep and philosophical. Yeah. On on Iron Maiden's least favorite album from their fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay so one thing that i can't really tie or sorry not tie tie well i can't tie in with what my my concept for the song is or i can't get my head around is when two worlds collide the anger of the pain of all those who remain now if you're actually just taking it like you know literally for what's on the page a meteor hits with our and the pain and the anger of those who remain, those who are left, you know, uh, to fend for themselves after the world has been destroyed. Fine. But let's let's say we're taking this as a symbolic worlds colliding. Um, I don't understand who the people who remain are. Is it Blaze remaining when the rest of the band left them alone? But to remain to me would be to stay in the band, not to leave. Uh, so I can't really tie that in. With maybe, well, maybe they feel pain because... Like a survivor's guilt. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. Like they're, uh, you know, they have to get rid of somebody, but they're, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't tie that to anger though. Like I don't feel how they would be angry about that, but pain, pain for sure. Blaze is writing the lyrics here just to remind you. Right. And Blaze, Blaze. Okay. So Blaze would feel anger, I think. But he wouldn't be remaining though as well. So that's an interesting thing. Okay, so maybe the anger is separate from the pain. The anger and pain of those who remain. 
So that maybe that's the col- that that's the collision. Blaze feels angry, and then there's the pain of the others. I don't know. Mm, I'm not sure about that. It's like the anger and pain of those who remain. Um, anyway, yeah, they're together. I think. I'm not sure about that. So who will survive? There's no place to hide when two worlds glide. Who will survive? Well, not you, Blaze. You're getting the chop. Blaze, you're cut. <laughs> uh, you're cut. That's another Simpsons reference, I think. Bailey, you're cut. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, who will be do- left alive? Yeah, again, that's not that's not Blaze. I like the, I, mean, I like the line. Be alive. Nowhere to hide as well. Like so, you, like you know, you can't hide in the long grass anymore. Your cards have been marked. You are getting the chop, Bailey. You're cut. Uh, you will not survive when two worlds collide, because the Bruce Dickinson fronted lineup of Iron Maiden has much more potential than the Blaze Bailey fronted lineup, and that's what's heading towards the Earth in a meteoric sense. <laughs> a meteoric sense, not like a balladic sense, in a declination sense. In a declinate in a declinative sense. <laughs> nice. That's, that'd be a word Harris would put into a song. Declinatively speaking. Declinative. Yeah. Declinatively. No. Um uh, all right. So we have uh, this kind of nice little melodic riff. Um one of these kind of um like after the chorus, so like a nice yeah. melody combined with the gallop. That's the note that I have. Guitar melody. Combined with a gallop. It's one of these um, patented virtual 11 riffs at this stage. Yeah. This is good music. Like, I could listen to this all day. Really good. This next bit reminds me of the song Childhood End. Childhood End, period of that. Chugging bass. But that high-pitched kind of guitar lead. Mm. I like Childhood End. Childhood End a lot. Nesbitt tore to pieces on Talking Maiden. I love it. There's a part coming up that I said I, I couldn't figure out what it reminded me of, but it reminds me of Klansman right here. Yeah, sure. We might as well go into solo here. Yeah. Dave first. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I'm getting better at recognizing the solos. I think it's easier in, in these two albums where it's just Dave yeah. and Yannick. It's yeah, it's true. To... So this is clearly Yannick now. Yeah. Okay, so more of the same here for a while. Um, but yeah, I, again, like I think those solos are really good and overlooked maybe perhaps in the grand scheme of Iron Maiden. I think maybe like a lot of the solos on this album are better than stuff you might have found on um, Senjutsu even. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting take. But yeah, the music in general on this whole album is quite good. I think like the solos and 
guitar melodies. Like they do get overlooked, I think. And you know, I I probably wouldn't place Virtual Eleven in my you know favorite Maiden albums, but like it's it's good music. And even the last the last three songs that we're gonna eventually get to, I think, are like also quite good. Good to great is what I would classify every song on this album. Good to great. You know what I found when I was listening to this, and I listened to it twice today from uh, from Lightning Strikes twice onwards, because we we covered the first two songs. So I listened to it twice in full from those songs onwards, because I wasn't sure how many we were going to cover today. Um, I found that I knew nearly every lyric to every song on the album. And it's a rare Iron Maiden album that I do know nearly every lyric to. And it seems to be the Blaze Bailey albums for some reason that I know the lyrics to more so than the others. And I'm not sure why that is, but I find something something to do with Blaze and the Blaze albums deeply resonated with me years ago. And like I for the X Factor, I think maybe it was because of how dark it was and how I could relate to it maybe as a kind of an awkward and shy teen or something like that. I've said this before. But this album, I can't really pinpoint what it is, but I know the bloody thing off by heart. Like I was singing along in my kitchen with my headphones on, doing the dishes to fucking every single word almost of the entire album. And it's like like there's something to this. And I think it's 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 like we've said it's overlooked. I, I don't really like using words like overlooked or underrated. Like who determines ratings? Who who determines looks? <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> at the at the same time, like I think that the people who dismiss this possibly haven't really spent a lot of time with it. And I think that's probably a fair assessment. And I saw somebody Definitely. online one time, somebody was saying something about, um, was it, it wasn't Virtual 11, but it was some other album that's always dismissed as being like one of the worst. And somebody else in the comments went, but yeah, but have you listened to it? Or something like that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was kind of looking at it going, yeah, have you? Like, or, or Oh yeah, sorry, it was Black Sabbath Forbidden, right? And somebody was shitting all over it. And it's one of those Tony Martin albums. And it's 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 like the equivalent of this, maybe it's seen as being the worst Black Sabbath album. But to me, there's still some good music on it. And somebody was like, oh, that should never have been released. Like, because it's, it's, there's talk of it being reissued. And somebody's like, oh, it should never have been released. They should burn the master tapes, blah, 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 blah. And somebody replied underneath, like, yeah, but actually, have you ever actually listened to it? And I wouldn't be surprised if the person in question hadn't. They just jumped on this bandwagon of people shitting all over it because it's easy to do and without actually having to spend the effort of spending 45 minutes and actually listening to it. Yeah. I, I'm smiling and laughing because it kind of reminds me of, Joe Rogan and his <laughs> the controversy around him mm. about people that are trying to cancel him and like have you even listened to any episode that he's put out? Uh, oh yeah, I'd say most people uh, probably haven't. I don't know if you listened to that episode I did with Nesbitt and a few yeah, others I did. about that. Yeah. yeah, basically that came up on the episode. Like Nesbitt was like, I feel I'm qualified to talk about it because I've listened yeah. to Joe Rogan for ten years and thousands yeah, of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's similar to like us who have listened to virtual 11 many, 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 many times. And yeah, you know, we, we can, we're, I feel like we're probably qualified to talk about it, but somebody, if you had a guest on that doesn't either maybe like, let's say the typical Iron Maiden fan or the most common Iron Maiden fan that they only know like the greatest hits from the 80s or whatever and and you ask them to come come as a guest on on your podcast to talk about virtual 11 like well, sure i, ne- I never what do you, what do you think the they would, right but like they would say you know a, it's a terrible album or 
yeah. you know, I, I, I don't have an opinion on it or, 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 or they would read what's been written about it and say, you know, uh, whatever it's, yeah, um, what's been written about it is mostly negative, like you know, on the whole, like there, of course mm. there's people like us who appreciate it, but on the whole, like it's not very well appreciated and, you know, by the press or, or mm. by any, like any most maiden fans. Yeah. But like, I, I w- firstly, I would never have somebody like that on the podcast. Secondly, when I asked you to do right. this, I, I knew you would do your homework because you did for Senjutsu as well. And you would actually pay attention <laughs> to the album and listen to it and have interesting things to say about it. But like, I, I, it's not just Iron Maiden that this happens to. It's like, it's all bands. And I'd be very hesitant to call myself a big fan of a band if I didn't really know like a shitload of their music. And like, I remember being at a, a David Bowie tribute band one time, a band I've seen many times. And uh, there was a lad in the crowd and he was standing there. And basically this whole set was almost made up of greatest hits. So every Tom, Dick and Harry on the face of the planet had knows these songs. You're talking about Let's Dance, um, Space Oddity, The Man Who Sold the World, all, all these songs like who, that everybody knows. Um, and then like Under Pressure, whatever. And your man was turning his back to the stage and turning his face towards the audience and singing all the lyrics. And it was like he was hosting the show himself. And I was <laughs> looking at him going, you fucking cunt. I know the words as well, but I'm not I'm not a twat. And, um, <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then I remember it, the band played a couple of songs from the Bowie album Low. Now Low is seen as maybe an album that's appreciated by the more hardcore fan, but certainly isn't uh, one that's widely known by the casual fan. And most of the songs would never be anywhere near a greatest hits. Maybe one song from it or something. And um, I, the minute the songs from Low came on, he hadn't got a fucking word to say. He turned his back. <laughs> <laughs> he turned his face towards the stage. I was looking at him, and. Uh, <laughs> he was uh he he wasn't fucking his, his lips weren't even moving he was it was like he was just fucking exposed right and i there was a song called always crashing in the same car and i went up right beside him and was like here singing i was like every chance every chance that i take singing it right into his ear just to piss him <laughs> off <laughs> and uh, he was just like but the, the, what my, my general point is and i'm not a music snob but he was acting in a fucking dickhead, basically, because he was like, <laughs> I know all the Bowie songs. I know all of the songs I do. And then the minute one song came on that he didn't know, he's just shot to pieces. But there's a lot of people who are in that category. Maybe they don't turn around to the audience and try and host a show or something like that. But uh, there's a lot of people who just have a greatest hits or just like X number of songs. And I, I also think there's a lot of people who just regurgitate what they've read online about uh, Virtual Eleven or the Black Sabbath album Forbidden or, or about anything. Yeah. about anything saint anger you know whatever you know yeah. it's just like it's it's easier to snare do that. yeah it's easier yeah. to do that than form your own opinion based on actual spending definitely time. it's easier and it's lazier and you don't have to spend any time and you can rely yeah. on people that you either trust or know that they know what they're talking about but then if you don't experience it for yourself you can't really have your own opinion on no, and, and and also like I think it's it's a really it's like a it's a really missed opportunity. Like I've never regretted the time I spent listening to music, even if it's not that good, because at least I might know not to listen to it again, or it might make me it might trigger a small thing in me where I hear a bit of it I like and I go, Okay, I'm gonna give that another chance. And then I hear another small thing that I like, and then it kind of grows on you, and then you're like, right, there's something here. Like it's not just rubbish, like there's something to this. And I've like I've never regretted 
trying to fucking get into some music or like spending some time listening to a band and actually going through their discography. I've never regretted that in my life. Yeah. I don't recall ever like listening to music and be like, I, uh, I wish I could take back those five minutes that took to listen to that song. Yeah, exactly. Move on. You move on with life. So uh, let's get to, the end of the song so we've listened to uh the solos and we're on to another bit which is kind of an audience participation part um it's a whoa 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 moment and there's a few of them on this album i love this song i really like it as well This another fucking yeah. excellent, so good riff. Yeah, around. Yeah. We'll see it in a a few seconds here, but there's a nice little key change and it goes up to the last uh, chorus. Uh, maybe not a key change, but that little. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. They change it. Yeah. Anyway, it kind of plays out with this repeating over a few times. Um, yeah. But there you have it. Um, we're five songs into Virtual Eleven, and to me, this album is sounding pretty damn good. Yeah, the more that we dig deep into it, the more I enjoy it. And I think that was the, that was true also of Senjutsu when we did that. I think, oh, man, it's fun. It's fun to just, like look into meanings and try to see bigger the bigger picture but also just enjoying the music as it as it's written i guess like exactly yeah and it's nice to um spend some time even though i spent a lot of time with this album i haven't done for many years and it's nice to spend some time with this album again and actually to as i said in the first episode of physically buy the album and i'm looking at the the booklet when I'm looking at the lyrics instead of just looking at my phone and I'm seeing the pictures of Blaze Bailey in 1998 and Yannick Gers and all the football photos and stuff and it just makes it feel more tangible and more real and um, I've never owned this other than digitally so it, it just adds to the whole experience. Definitely, yeah. I actually haven't, I have the uh, I have the vinyl and I have not listened to it. Really? On vinyl. <laughs> so, it, but it's you know just... why though? You know why? Because it it's annoying because it's in two two LPs. So like, there's only two songs per side, and I find mm. that annoying. Because yeah. like, if I want to listen to an album, I I'm okay with it being on two, like just one LP that you just switch once. But like, if mm. there's just like you know maybe ten minutes per side. It's it's a little bit of a hassle to play. So yeah, anyway. but I uh, but like uh, Senjutsu is like that as well. It's um yeah only a couple of songs per side. Yeah, that's the it's well it's it's not with all bands, but it's the nature of Iron Maiden vinyl. They I think they put as little on the the sides as they can. Well, Book of Souls I think was three, wasn't it? Which show was so Senjutsu? It's three three albums. Oh yeah, 
And it's only 82 minutes, so it could have easily been put on two. Now, I think somebody pointed out to me that the track listing wouldn't really facilitate that unless they switched the order of the tracks. And I think they had to do that on the Best of the Beast vinyl um, album because it slightly goes out of chronological order at one point when it doesn't make any sense for it to do so. But I think it's to do with lengths of sides of vinyl that they did that. Um, So, yeah. Maybe they did, if they really wanted to preserve the track order, maybe they did need to put it on six sides of vinyl. <laughs> it's like, it's a lot. It's cumbersome. It's it's like, yeah, yeah. It's I love putting on a record and then being able to flip it over once and then being done. Yeah. And you don't mind, yeah, you don't mind exactly. that. Like, you know, the once is kind of a part of the theater of it. It's like, oh, it's a fucking yeah. turn. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one, it's like the first song of the next side. Um. Yeah. Well, that, look, that's going to do it for, um, this oh shit I just put on seven Sunday Braxton this episode of uh, yeah I don't mind that of um, excuse me I'll say that again that's gonna do it for this episode of feckin metal which just leaves three left and those are the educated fool don't look to the eyes of a stranger and como este is it este or esta how you pronounce that I'm never sure esta something because I know when he says it in the song it's como esta amigo but it's a different uh conjugation of the verb in the actual lyrics of the song let's make that our homework we'll look that up and maybe somebody one of one of your listeners can let us know the title refers to a group and i think in the in the song is speaking to a singular person anyway that's far too exhaustive for the end of this episode um yeah so yeah that's gonna do it thanks for joining us we'll be back we'll see you then all right so that was me and andrew de talking about when two worlds collide and that song i think yeah it's one of those sleeper hits maybe not a hit that's probably too strong a word to use it's it's by no means a hit it's one of those sleeper tracks on an iron maiden album that's often forgotten or not spoken about too often often not spoken about too often jesus christ you redundant fuck uh it's late and i have a cough anyway yeah to me it's a it's a it's an overlooked song in the Iron Maiden catalogue, which has some merit to it, definitely, especially when you listen to it closely. And uh, I really enjoyed that chat with Andrew, as I have done for all of the times we've spoken. I've, I've enjoyed all of those chats, and it's always an engaging and upbeat and thought-provoking conversation, speaking to Andrew. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Metalcast. Andrew is at debroy 27 You can drop us a line. As I said the last time, we do read your feedback and we take it into account and we will be discussing feedback that we've gotten from this and the previous episode the next time I speak to you regarding Virtual Eleven of which there are three songs remaining and we will get to those but in between you're going to hear some interviews and some different episodes from me and that is maybe a bit messy but that is the way the cookie crumbles on feckin' metal I have been your host Virgil Trainer. Thank you for listening. And I don't know what I'm putting up next. Probably Jarvis from Night Demon. And if so, and if that is the case, then I've been telling the truth here. And if not, then I've been telling a lie. But whatever the case, I'll see you next time. <laughs>